Combo Nation, we're here. What episode are we on? Okay, let's get it. What up, what up, what up everyone? Welcome to episode 244. You heard that right, episode 244 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. You know what? Pause this episode. Pause this episode. Pause this episode. Then go rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. Then get right back to it because we have a great one for you. Oh yeah, also tell a friend to tell a friend about the show. Today's show ESPN college basketball analyst Jimmy Dykes joins in a fantastic conversation with Jimmy. It was great having him on the show. He talked about his book, The Film Doesn't Lie, the NBA outlook of Sharif Cooper and BJ Boston, can Kentucky win an SEC conference title? fantastic conversation with Jimmy. Can't wait for you all to hear it. You can find Jimmy on Twitter at Coach Jimmy Dykes. That's C-O-A-C-H-J-I-M-M-Y-D-Y-K-E-S. You know you can find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E, T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. ESPN's Jimmy Dykes. Welcome to Combo's Court. How are you feeling today? Andrew, I'm good, man. It's getting close to March and we're continuing to play games and every game's a, a blessing to be a part of and it's a it's a great time to be a college basketball fan and that's at my core. I think that's what I am as much as anybody else out there. Most definitely. Most definitely. We're going to get to college basketball, current college basketball. Tell me more about your book, The Film Doesn't Lie. Yeah, it's been out for almost a year now and it's man done really really well it's a it's a book that speaks to the heart of i think all of us and just things that we deal with in life the the just the the questions we sometimes have how we can sometimes get off track and it's a it's a book that i think really speaks to the heart of the reader to, to create space and time to self-reflect and let God speak to them about different areas of their life. It's got a lot of sports stories in there. Uh, it continues to do really well. Uh, thousands across the country, college level, high school level, professional level. I know they have it. There's a lot of accountability groups that are using it as a book to kind of work through uh, to generate conversation. Uh, but it's a, it, it's an easy read because I wrote it. I don't use big words when I speak. So I don't use big words when I wrote it, but so challenging me because it really calls the reader to take the time to pause and reflect on, on really kind of where they are and where their life is heading. Self-awareness is so important. So in the game of basketball, we could go back and actually watch the film because it's taped, you know, we film it. But in life, how do you actually get that done? Yeah. Well, that's the analogy that I use in the book uh, because the film doesn't lie when you're a coach yeah. or you're a player and you're watching a game film and you see the obvious the good and the bad, it's right there. It's, it's kind of undeniable. And I think it's the same way and it's an important discipline to go through in life at times, every now and then just pause and really get alone with God and let him speak to your heart and really evaluate where am I with this word forgiveness? Where am I 
with the words that I use every day? Where, where am I with balance in life? Uh, where, where am I when adversity hits me? And I think in, in, unless you take the time to really get quiet and evaluate and real change doesn't occur. But when you do take the time to do that, like watching a game film or watching a game film of your life, uh, then I think real lasting change occurs in people. I know it does. Jimmy, um, you were a longtime college basketball coach, but you were also a former scout in the NBA. Um, what did that job entail back then, and how has that job changed in today's game? Yeah, back when I was doing it, the use of video was there wasn't a lot of use of it, and we were just we were flying all over the country, uh, watching games with our own eyes, handwritten notes, faxing them in, mailing them in, whatever. And now that job is completely driven by technology. Still, eyes uh, in person are very very important. Uh, this year that's been taken away from the scouts for the most part because of the pandemic. So they're trusting those tapes of the videos, those phone calls, all the stats, all the numbers, all the things. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, the good scouts still, they have a ton of contacts. They're trusting what people are saying about players. They're trusting their own eyes. They know what, uh, translates from the college level to the pro level. So those parts of the, of the job have not changed. Uh, but there's just so much more data and so much more information for scouts to use these days as opposed to back when I was doing it, you know, 25 years ago. You're very familiar with Sharif Cooper's game, plays at Auburn. Obviously, Sharif is the type of player that can get to wherever he wants on the court. Uh, fantastic playmaker, fantastic creator. Um, do you have concerns about his game at the NBA level because of his size and maybe how he is on defense? Well, I think when you're small – and you're going to make it a, a career in the NBA, you have to be able to do two things. You have to be able to shoot the lights out of it from yep. distance, and you have to be able to guard your guy with, a, with, extremely, with extreme toughness. And th- those are two areas he's going to have to get better in. I mean, we all see the wild plays and his ability uh, with a basketball, making some passes are at a whole nother level, especially for a college point guard. But he's still a young kid. I think he – I know he loves the game. I think he – I know he works at it. I think he studies it. Uh, and he will get better in those two areas that I mentioned earlier. But when you're 5'10", 5'11", and you're trying to make it in the NBA uh, and, and last in that league, when you can't shoot it at a high rate from the NBA three-point line and you struggle defending your spot, it can be really tough. It can be, it can be really tough to stay on a roster for a long time. Uh, those are the two biggest questions I have about him. Most definitely, most definitely. I think if you just – describe the player that you're describing like an NBA scout would say, yeah, like that sounds like issues, but maybe when they watch the film, you know, they get a little bit more optimistic. Well, he's, he's extremely talented, Andrew, um, with a ball in his hands and working off of ball screens and, and, and making passes that are going to be a high level of assist ratio. Uh, But those other two things aren't going to go away on the film. I mean, you yeah. see all the good, and, and as an NBA scout, you have to have eyes for the good, the bad, and the I'm not sure yet. And I think he falls in that I'm not sure yet category with his shot-making ability from distance and guarding. Jimmy, I wanted to shift to Kentucky. They've had their struggles this year. Do you think they have a chance to win their conference? Well, they have no shot to win the regular season conference, but they do have a shot to win the conference tournament. Right. Uh, they are they are very capable of winning – Four, three or four in a row, wherever they fall, probably have to be four games. Uh, 
And, and I base that upon the fact that Gonzaga and Baylor and, and Michigan aren't in the SEC. Uh, the SEC has six or seven NCAA quality teams. Uh, Bama probably has the best shot of being a Final Four team. But those other teams in there are all beatable, and, and, we've, and we've seen that this year. You have a lot of four, five, six-loss teams in the SEC. And we've seen Kentucky, when they're at their best, like I think they were against Tennessee, they have some things about them that make them very difficult to play against. Well, one of them is Isaiah Jackson, and the other one is the big shot making out of Davion Mintz. And I think they're playing with a lot of confidence. So uh, I, I, I think I'm in the minority right now saying Kentucky – uh, is a legitimate threat to win the SEC tournament, but but I believe they are. I believe they are. Saying that, I'm not saying they're the favorite. I'm saying I would now put them in the group of six or seven teams in the SEC overall that have a legitimate chance to win it. You know, BJ Boston has had his struggles this year, but we've seen Kentucky players in the past that didn't really pop at Kentucky that have had better NBA careers. Um, there's two younger players in the NBA right now, Tyler Hero and Emmanuel Quickly that are playing really well, maybe even better than they did in college. Do you feel like this could happen for B.J. Boston at the NBA level? Well, yeah, yes, it can happen, uh, but he's not on the same path where, where Hero was or quickly was, even in their freshman year. Yeah. Um, he's, he doesn't an NBA body. He's not a kid that's going to draw NBA fouls. He's not understanding yet or capable of, of making uh, plays in contact that's going to occur at the NBA level. And his shot has gotten better the last three or four games, but I still don't see him as a knockdown shooter. So you see at times the potential, the length, uh, all those things that, you, you, that, that normally translate to the NBA, but he's not as ready as those other guys that have left Kentucky. Uh, doesn't mean that he yeah. won't maybe go this year and get on the right roster and develop. But, but right now, uh, Tyler Hero, uh, well-advanced, at this point in his freshman year, as opposed to where Boston was or is. Now, this is a general question. How important are those sit down and interviews for NBA teams? Because it is the talent business at the end of the day. How much could that actually hurt a player or does it not really, if they're just top end talent? No, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's, I think it has a huge impact on the decisions that is made. Are we going to take this guy? Is he a top five pick? Where's the risk reward there with this guy? Is he a top five pick or does the risk reward shove him down to number 20, 21 or 22? And I think that's what you have to always have your minds wrapped around when you're in the front office making those decisions, because there's very, very few fail proof guys coming out of college that are going to make it in the NBA. Um, and, and the ones that are, we all see them and there's no red flags and they're, they're automatic success stories. But for the most part, you're going to have a little bit of risk with everybody. And what you don't want is that risk to be uh, not understanding the value on a team, being a teammate, all those things. Cause then you're wondering, is this something that can be fixed? Uh, if it's a flaw in the game in terms of he's the 33% the line can move back. Can he stay at that number or increase? There's a little bit of risk there. Uh, but I think that's something that's, uh, that's that's fixable if you're recruiting a guy that's that goes to work and and works his tail off and makes his jump shot transfer from one level to the next so those sit down interviews are of huge importance uh, and don't let anyone tell you that they're not because I know that they are I've done the job I'm still friends with guys that do the job and they will be the first to tell you 
those interviews, the feel that you get for someone has a major, major impact on where that, where that organization determines, are they draftable where we have our slot or are they not? You would know, Jimmy, you would know for sure. Um, you mentioned translating to the NBA level, transferring to the NBA level. How do you think Evan Mobley's game will translate to the NBA level? Such great field, great size, um, so fluid on defense and offense, could see the floor, but what type of NBA player do you think he will become? Yeah, I think he'll be terrific from everything that I've seen from the kid. You know, he's, he, runs, he runs effortlessly. He runs with speed. He's got great hands. He can make a play with the ball. He's really active and lively around the rim on both ends. Uh, he'll be terrific at setting transition ball screens, sprinting out of them, the sprint ball screen action. Uh, he, he will be in the top two or three picks. Uh, I'll be shocked if he's not. I haven't seen anything that tells me that I wouldn't take him that high. I don't know about his, his character. I'm not, I'm not involved in, in digging into what, what, what he's made of. I've never heard anything that says that he's not a top-quality kid. So I, I think he'll be one of the top three or four players taken. I would have Cade Cunningham on the top of my NBA big board. Um, is there anybody out there in the college game or even in the G League bubble that you think could make a case to be number one? Or is, it number, is K number one in your opinion as well? Uh, I, no, I, and I don't think, I don't think any, even an NBA team that, that this is what they do 365 days a year would step up and say right now, he's without question the number one pick. I, I, I don't think we're there yet. Uh, okay. I, I've seen flashes of it looking like it. Or I've also seen times in a game where you're like, that's not what a number one pick would do. That's not how a number one pick would play for a five or six minute stretch. Uh, I don't discount Jalen Suggs being taken number one. That dude's completely different than anybody Gonzaga's ever had. And they've had great players, great guards, but he is an NBA ready point guard right now. So uh, there's three or four guys that'll be in that discussion. You brought up the, the, the right names, uh, but uh, I, I don't, I personally don't feel like it, that it's an, that Kate Cunningham is an absolute lock as a number one pick, not on February the 21st is too early. You mentioned Jalen Suggs. I think Gonzaga and Baylor are, you know, the front runners to win it all. We obviously don't know anything could happen in March madness of um, legitimate contenders that you really see out there that you like outside, outside of, outside of Baylor. Well, those two. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, outside of those two, I, I, I'm a big believer in Michigan. They have a big game this weekend. Uh, I'm a big believer in Florida State. I, I've seen them live. I, I think they are the real deal. I mean, that's a typical Leonard Hamilton, a lot, of, a lot of depth, a lot of defensive depth. They're shooting a three-point shot, and maybe as well as his teams have ever shot it. they got seven-footers around the rim. They're the best team in the ACC. Uh, I would put Michigan and Florida State right there behind Baylor and Gonzaga. Uh, I, I still believe in Iowa. I people question their defense. I think their last four opponents have all been held 70 points or less. And offensively, they're just a monster to prepare for and play against. Uh, so those would be the probably the next three teams, you know, uh, mm -hmm. Illinois, maybe in there as well. And I, I like I like Alabama out of the SEC because they play a style. And when their style, well, I'll put it like this. When Alabama is at their best, their best is good enough to get to the final four. I, I do not question that for one second. Uh, before we head out, I'd like to hear what you learned from Eddie Sutton playing under him and what do you hold with you till this day? Uh, There's such a high priority with him of, of staying in front of the ball and accounts behind that, what that's supposed to look like and the discipline that the game's supposed to be played with as a guy that just absolutely had very little tolerance for careless turnovers and, uh, and, and, and giving the ball to the other team, you know, so his, 
the way he viewed the game is still how I try to view the game as an analyst. I think those there's three or four key areas. And if you don't defend and you're not committed to rebounding every single time the ball is shot and you don't value the ball and you're careless with it, you don't deserve to win the game. And that's kind of how he taught the game, how he coached the game and what he believed. And, and uh, he was one of the best that ever seen the game in those areas. Jimmy, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you. And please let us know where we could buy your book and find you on social media or anywhere else. Yeah, the best place to buy the book. Um, they, they get me the books about once a week, and I autograph and sign a personal note to them is off the website, coachjimmydykes.com. And my Twitter handle is uh, Coach Jimmy Dykes. But those book orders, uh, they get taken on a regular basis there at that website, coachjimmydykes.com. Get them out pretty quickly. It's been a great gift for people. Uh, it'd be a great gift for someone in March Madness or Father's Day coming up in the spring, uh, early summer, whatever those dates are. But uh, I really appreciate you having me on. And, and let's do it again sometime down the road, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Anytime. You're always welcome back on the show. Really appreciate you and talk soon. Okay, thank you. Thank you to everyone who tunes into Combo's Court across the globe. And big shouts to Jimmy. Much appreciated. Thank you for joining in. Combo Nation, don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. If you have Instagram, take a screenshot of this episode. Post it on your IG stories. Tag me at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. I'll share it. And I'll say it again, man. Rate and review the show. It helps Combo's Court tremendously. Be on the lookout for episode 245. Combo out.